Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. It's a Friday morning, 10, 12 our time, 4th day of August, 2023, Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. Plenty of headlines to run through and get you set up for the weekend in a little bit. Usher in the weekend with Mr. Craig at 10.59. Talk some baseball off the top of the radio show today. Joining us from the Locked On Twins podcast, Access Twins, Brandon Warren. Good morning, sir. Hey, how are we doing? Uh, very good. Uh, let's kind of rewind, I guess. There's a lot to cover with this Twins team right now. Uh, but let's go back to Tuesday. Uh, trade deadline comes and goes at 5 p.m. The Twins don't make any significant moves. I know there's a couple of players that you and I talked about that you liked. I know there's some players that you talked about via you know, Locked on Twins that you liked. The Twins didn't get any of them. They didn't get anybody. Made no moves. The roster at 4 o'clock Tuesday was the roster at 5.01 on Tuesday. Your thoughts on, on the Twins standing pat at the trade deadline? Yeah, to me it just it didn't, didn't make any sense based on where they're at in the standings. Now, I know they're in first place and the other teams have basically rolled over for them so far. But the fixes that the Twins needed that other teams made – comparatively speaking, were, were pretty cheap. They needed a right-handed hitter or at least someone who could hold their own against lefties and probably one more reliever. Didn't have to be a stud or anything. And for whatever reason, the Twins just opted not to do that. And I don't know if they waited too long and were kind of pressed at the deadline or what exactly happened there. But I I can't endorse it, that's for sure. I, I gave them an F for the deadline, and I stand by it. The one guy that you had mentioned – as a potential deadline target, you talked about the need for a right-handed bat was Tommy Pham. And, uh, Tommy Pham's the guy who was with the Mets at the uh, before the deadline, got traded to Arizona at the trade deadline for a prospect. And and I remember looking at his numbers and thinking he's not so he's not a reverse split guy. He actually hits lefties better than righties. He's not a bad defensive player. His contract is up, and, and it did make a lot of sense. Was there any inkling at all that we – I didn't see anything anywhere that the Twins are targeting him. Any re, any thought you might have as to why the Twins maybe didn't target Tommy Pham? Well, I mean, it's well documented that he's got some questionable things that have happened to him, not during games. But at the same time, I don't know if they thought they were going to eventually wear out the Mariners and get Jasper Hernandez or the Reds with Nick Senzel. I don't know what the plan was or if they just thought, listen, we're just going to roll with what we've got and call it good. But to me, it just it seems like a miscalculation because, they're, well, they're going to see Pam up close and personal this weekend yep. as the Diamondbacks are in town. Um, but, no, he, he's not a, a brutal defensive player. He can handle righties at least well enough to not embarrass himself. He would have been a nice fit. So, too, would have Randall Grichik, who a lot of those things apply to as well. So it's not like those guys didn't move. And it's not like those guys went for exorbitant prices. So again, I just I cannot fathom why they didn't get somebody rather than nobody. That was my next question with Fam. Is I I couldn't most of these prospects that get traded, I couldn't pick out of a police lineup. So I was going to ask you, did the Mets give up? So I know, or the Mets get because the Mets I know went and got some good prospects in the trades that they made, and and they in selling off the players they sold off before the deadline with the the, the disappointing season they're having in New York. So I didn't know if, if they went and got like a top prospect from Arizona for Fam because then that would make at least some sense to me. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think it was you know a decent prospect, but at the end of the day, not something that the Twins should have been upset about having to match. It, it may have came come down to personality fit. It may have come down to they're worried about the roster crunch as guys like Royce Lewis get healthy. There could be a lot of things that are factors here, but to me, adding somebody, anybody, would have been easier than doing nothing. Brandon Warner, guest from the Locked On Twins podcast. I. Whether he should have or should have shouldn't have been, obviously you shouldn't be in this case. What I'm about to ask you: Do you think Derek Falvey and Thad Levine were a little gun shy after last year's deadline trains backfired? I don't think so. I think it was more just they know the team is underperformed, and hopefully by just purely getting a few more guys healthy and some guys' water levels rising to to sea level, they should be better. But I, I don't know. I would hope not because. Um, you know, scared money don't make money, and it doesn't make any sense to go into a deadline rolling over it. It makes no sense to me. You mentioned the name Royce Lewis, and it, it sounds like he's at least a couple of weeks away from making his return off that off that oblique injury. Those things can be nasty. But any inkling as to what you think they should do? Now, these things do a lot of times solve themselves, I understand that. But as the lineup is currently constructed, where the heck's Royce Lewis going to play? It's a valid question. I wouldn't be shocked if it's back at third base with Polanco back at second and then Julian mixing and matching at DH first base. I know he did take some grounders at first. I know that was kind of overblown. Um, you know, came back as just he was kind of screwing around. But honestly, if, if that makes sense, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to putting Lewis in the outfield if it came down to it. it you'd have to be, um, make sure that he's comfortable. But if it comes down to that, again, I would, I would hate the idea that he could get hurt again. But he's a good athlete, and you got to give him a chance. So, honestly, I think I'd put him just about anywhere because uh, the offense is still weak enough they can find space for him. Well, and that's the thing. is, And I, I, I'm not sure I've said this to you before, but I, I mentioned that on our morning show. I know that. I go back with the 2018 Brewers when they had Travis Shaw raking at third base, and they added Mike Moustakis at the trade deadline, who played third base, and they just said, we'll figure it out. And they did. They, they were went away from the World Series. A lot of days with Shaw and Moustakis both in the lineup, they would play one at second base and one at third base. This feels like a situation this offense is scuffling Brandon to the point where the Twins have to find a way to get their nine best hitters in the lineup on any given day, and we'll figure out the rest of it later. Is it, does that make sense? Well, and it's easier because the pitching staff has been better. You're not expecting the pitching staff to extract every last out from the opposing team with the best possible defense or with smoke and mirrors like you were with Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer. You know, If you go in and expect five innings of three-run ball from Bailey Ober, more often than not, you're going to be okay with that. So then you need the offense to do their part. How do you put them in that position? Put the best guys out there. So I think there's some give or take, but you're, you're definitely on the right track here. Brandon Warner, our guest, the Locked On Twins podcast. What do you make of Joe Ryan's injury? It feels like this is a thing that happens every once in a while in baseball. and you Maybe it's just not talked about in other sports, but I don't remember hearing about it very much in other sports where a guy is trying to fight off an injury and doesn't bother telling anybody he's injured. Yeah, it's hard because he also was like fending off Dallas Keuchel from being on the roster. You know, he's already had two opt-outs. He opted out in the second one. They ended up getting it taken care of. But, you know, there's a lot of things that happen outside of your control when you're that player doing that. You know, are you making the team worse? Are you actually making your roster spot more tenuous? There's just there's so many things to think about that I understand why a guy wants to play through something, 
You know, it's a, it's a tough guy's game. It's a tough guy's sport. Every sport guys want to play through stuff. But very few of us have the understanding of how much we actually are hurting the team by being out there and have the actual, like, level of awareness that we can allow ourselves to not play. It's hard, though. You know, you want to be out there, you want to compete. So I get it, but at the same time, too, it's pretty clear something was wrong. Um, hopefully it was an actual issue and not, you know, that he's been figured out. That's the other thing I was going to ask you. Does this maybe explain what we've been seeing from him? Because he's still getting – he's striking guys out left and right. He's getting a lot of swings and misses. But, boy, oh, boy, his secondary stuff is getting a lot of the plate lately. Yeah, and he just, it's not good enough to do that. You know, he's a he's going to still be a command and location guy. He's got decent enough velocity, but, you know, he's not pumping 97 down the middle of the plate and saying – me versus you, let's see what happens. When it's 92, 93 and up, but not high enough up, there's a reason why he's gotten hit the way he has. So uh, as much as I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just the injury, part of me is like, okay, let's uh, let's spend that time not only healing up, but, you know, maybe just kind of re- uh, revisiting kind of this pitch sequencing and that sort of thing. Dallas Keuchel is now a Minnesota twin. We don't know when he'll debut, but it's going to happen here very soon. He, he certainly did very well in AAA. His velocity, not exactly what it used to be. Maybe he's figuring out sequencing and command and location and, and all that fun stuff. And, and he can, because we've seen guys that have succeeded in the majors who can't throw 90 or barely get to 90. What, can, what is realistic to expect here out of Dallas Keuchel as he tries to revive his major league career with the Twins? Yeah, I mean, if he can give you a four and a half ERA and some innings, that's better than people should expect. Obviously, it would be great if it was better than that. And, you know, he's never needed velocity to be as good as um, – he's never needed velocity to be that guy. But, you know, every tick down is uh, is an issue. So we'll see. But I would say that the way I would use him is a bulk guy. Have a guy like Josh Winder open or Cole fans. But put a couple of righties who throw hard on either end of him. Have him work the bulk innings as a lefty at 87, 88. Uh, you can mess some teams up timing-wise. But – I'm not sure if I see it as a starter, but you know what? They'll give him a shot. We'll see what happens. It's not going to hurt necessarily, and especially with Ryan on the injured list. And, and like I said, we've seen guys succeed throwing at this velocity in the majors. It's not like it can't be done, but for Keuchel, it wasn't working before. And if, I can't imagine he's increased his fastball velocity very much by sitting out. No, I mean, he was at driveline, and so they work on a lot of different things in, in terms of biomechanics and all that stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, the arm can throw what the arm can throw, and so we'll see what Keuchel has, and we'll see if he can locate it. What do you make of, of the Guardians trading Aaron Savale to Tampa, which did the White Sox, of course, selling off pieces. The Tigers, they, they tried to trade Eduardo Rodriguez. It didn't work out, but they they sold off some pieces as well. It, it does feel like this is a division the Twins are basically going to win here by default because nobody else is interested in winning it. Uh, you know, what's your take on that? And and you know, obviously it, it puts the Twins in a good position, but they've got to make something of it. Well, it basically reinforces what I've said about what trades can mean as a message to your team. If if you are in first place, but or or a game out as they were. Um, you can make a good baseball trade. You know, Manzardo's going to be a, a good hitter for them in the future, but you traded the guy who's been one of your best starters this year and basically waved the white flag when you were one game down. I understand why that doesn't sit well with players. And while fans look at things and say, oh, we got better today for the future, 
you still have to play today, you still have to sell tickets today, and you still have to keep other, uh, you've got to keep your team happy today. And so, honestly, I've moved away from enjoying those kinds of trades because, I don't know, you can keep playing for the future, and the future always is a day away, but at some point you have to play and pay for today. It makes all the sense in the world, and and I, I think I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times fans get caught up in in you know the, the prospect rankings and you know what's the future look like, yeah. and and they yeah they they tend to forget that there is a here and now. And when you're a game out of first, you're still a game out of first. That puts you that close to a playoff spot. And we've seen the last couple of years that the Phillies last year weren't lighting the world on fire at the trade deadline, and there they are in the World Series. Or how about the Braves yep. year before? Or yep. How about the Nationals before that, and the Twins? last year had a better record at the deadline than they do now and lost and they had a better record than the guardians um and it didn't matter after you know so honestly waving the white flag at that point in the season to me doesn't really work unless you're like single digits to make the playoffs and they were i think 10 11 12 percent at that point or better so yeah, I, I don't like it. It leaves a weird taste in my mouth if I'm a Guardian fan there. You've been following this game for a long time, Brandon. How weird is it to see the St. Louis Cardinals selling off pieces at the trade deadline? I, I don't know the last time that happened. Yeah, I I honestly I have no idea. I couldn't even begin to wonder. Because that it, it was just it, that was jarring on Sunday. I, you, you know, you expect it because they're you know what are they eleven, twelve games out of first place. They're way under five hundred. The last in the NL Central. It's not like it's shocking that it happened, but it's shocking that it happened because it's the Cardinals and they just don't do that. Uh, when you look around here, I was really happy to see Baltimore make a move and, and get Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals and, and try to go for it. How, you know, things like that are that's what makes the trade deadline fun for me. Is you get a team like that that's surprising and they decide, you know, I know we got a lot of young players and our future's bright as well. Let's go for it right now. Yeah, I think the main great people have is that they didn't do more of that yeah. because you know, the version of Jack Flaherty that we've seen this year is, is diminished but then he comes into Baltimore and suddenly pumping 96, 97, maybe got the adrenaline going, maybe the, uh, the juices flowing, but you know what? Um, good for them. They, they remind me of the Blue Jays a few years ago where it was so much offensive talent and you wondered where the pitching was coming from. I'm sure they'll find some along the way. This is going to be a really nasty team for a long time to come. How cool is it going to be to see uh, Joe Maurer going to the Twins Hall of Fame this weekend? Oh, it's, it's going to be unbelievable, and hopefully the Twins can fare well against Arizona. Arizona's been pretty bad since the break, so this is the chance. This is the time. This is when the Twins have to really pick things up and get into you know five five game lead in the division, six game lead rather than this zero one two game lead thing that they've been kind of messing with for the last month or so. I said this down the hall on a different station this morning, and I got a look from a guy. It's like He's like, really? I said, Joe Maurer will eventually get into Cooperstown. Do you agree? Easily. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind, and honestly, he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You don't have to love how he played the game. You don't have to love how he fared in the playoffs because obviously it wasn't very good. But when you line him up against all the catchers that have ever played the game, He's, uh, he's right in that mix. So, yeah, he's got to be in there for sure. And certainly one of the all-timers. Brandon, how can people find your stuff? Yeah, just look up Locked on Twins on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, or just Access Twins. I post everything there, too. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Be good. I'm Brandon Warren, Access Twins, Locked On Twins Podcast, Twins Diamondbacks, 630 pregame tonight, Bailey Ober versus Merrill Kelly. Uh, Ober, 6-5, 319. Kelly, 9-5, 3.23. 
tomorrow, 5.30 for the pregame on Joe Mauer night. Kenta Maeda, 2-6, 4.53. Ryan Nelson, 6-5, 4.84 for Arizona. Sunday, inside Twins at noon. First pitch a little after 1. Pablo Lopez, 6-6, six six, 4.01. Zach Gallon, the all-star starter for Arizona, 11-5, 3.41. I should note... As I was perusing through the the, the new headlines this morning and reading about Keuchel, uh, the Star Tribune's Bobby Nightingale did point out that there's a possibility Keuchel debuts against Arizona this weekend. If that maybe alters the rotation, I, I like what Brandon said, the idea of an opener maybe for Keuchel, a, a hard thrower, a winder, a Sands that can get the, the ball in there 96 or so, and then you go to Keuchel and maybe throw off the timing of the hitters a little bit. That's not the worst idea I've ever heard if you're trying to get Keuchel in a spot where he can succeed and give you some innings in a spot start. So we'll see if that's what the Twins decide to do here. If not to this weekend against Arizona, I would think we'll see Keuchel for sure next week as the Twins play a four-game series in Detroit that begins on Monday night. Milwaukee Brewers, a 14-1 to win over Pittsburgh last night. Season highs with 14 runs and 16 hits. And they regained first place in the NL Central by half a game over the Reds, who lost their third straight to the Cubs last night at Wrigley Field. Rematch, 7 o'clock tonight. Colin Ray, 5-4, 4.76. Quinn Priester for Pittsburgh, 2-1, 9.19. Tomorrow at 6, Corbin Burns, 9-6, 3.44. Undecided will throw for the Pirates tomorrow. And then Sunday to close it out at 1 o'clock. Brandon Woodruff returns his first start for the Brewers since April 7th. 1 and 0, 0. 0.79. He's thinking 75 to 80 pitch limit on Sunday afternoon. Johan Oviedo, 5 and 11, 4.42 will throw on Sunday for the Battling Buckos. Coming up on 10:30 Friday morning, we'll usher in the weekend with Mr. Craig in 29 minutes from now. Rusiski Show, 610, 103.9 KDAL. Sound off with Brad Bennett. Middays on KDAL. A lot of sunshine. That wind is coming in off Lake Superior. Beach hazard statement in effect. Rip currents are a potential thing on Lake Superior, both on Park Point and Wisconsin Point beaches. So if you've got water-related plans, please be safe out there today. As we come back, we'll get you set up for the weekend, some headlines to run through. And, of course, we'll usher in the weekend as we wrap things up at 10.59. We continue in a moment, 10.34. CBS News is next on KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. Sir, um, could I trouble you for a glass of warm milk? It helps put me to sleep. You could trouble me for a warm glass of shut up. Now you will go to sleep, or I will put you to sleep. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDL. 10.39, Friday morning. Monday, Matt Wellens, Duluth News Tribune, The Rink Live. We will discuss Laura Bellamy's departure from UMD to take the head coaching job at Harvard. That'll be on Monday. Uh, I will be off on Tuesday. Uh, We're back Wednesday. And then off again for the early Twins game in Detroit on Thursday. So a very disjointed week. But uh, amongst the things we've got planned for next week, UMV football team starts practice. Uh, We will hear over the next week or two from head coach Kurt Weezy, offensive coordinator Chase Vogler, and defensive coordinator Trey Dill will preview both sides of the ball. The team in general, take a look around the league. 
talk about the uh, summer that the Bulldogs had. We did a check in with the coach uh, Wheezy uh, mid July during the All Star week. Uh, week. And one of our summer check-in conversations was with him. You can podcast those on the uh, podcast page at kdal610.com. Uh, we uh, broke yesterday the news of Laura Bellamy departing UMD to become the women's coach at Harvard, where I have no doubt that she will do a fantastic job. Very prideful Harvard, uh, Harvard alumna is uh, Bellamy, who w- was there from 2009 to 2013, uh, Matt did a great job writing this up in the News Tribune. You can read that at DuluthNewsTribune.com. But the accolades that Laura Bellamy has earned, and she's earned every one of them, uh, and, and the, the work that her and Maura Cruel have done to rebuild this program, absolutely tremendous. And if that's any kind of a bellwether as to what Harvard's in for here after a couple of tough years and the investigation, all, all the, the everything that came out this past uh, winter and spring regarding that program, she'll do a fantastic job. I have zero doubt about it. Uh, but Harvard, uh, national power for a lot of years under Katie Stone, they've now gone uh, sub five hundred for the last seven years. This past year, seven twenty one and three. So uh, there's work to be done. But Laura Bellamy is just the person to do that work. As she and the, and Coach Kroll did t- uh, tremendous things at UMD, and it you could see it building pretty quick once they got here. Eight years, uh, three straight NCAA tournament appearances, played for a national title in 2022, played in the Frozen Four semis in 2021, a couple of top three Patty Cas finalists, nine All Americans, nine Olympians. Gabby Hughes, not only a top three for the Patty Cavs in 2022, but this past year she won the Hockey Humanitarian Award for her work off the ice. And she leaves, Bellamy does this Bulldog program much better than she found it. And that is, to me, whether you're a player or a coach, a fleeting time in a place like this, when you know there's a chance you're going to move on at some point, you leave it better than you found it. And there's no doubt that Laura Bellamy is doing that. Congratulations to her, and best of luck out at Harvard. Uh, we have Brandon Warren on the last segment there, opening segment from uh, the Locked on Twins podcast as the Twins prepare to host Arizona this weekend. I am intrigued by a couple of things. To see what they do with Dallas Keuchel, we talked about that before the break, and once Royce Lewis is back, which is an inevitability. It's a matter of when. Where are they going to play him? And what do you do? How do you get, the, as I said, the best nine hitters in the lineup on any given day? The best nine hitters against a righty might not be the best nine hitters against the lefty. But the job is to put the nine best hitters on the field. We'll figure the rest of it out later. You know, grab a glove, go play somewhere. You know, and one of you can DH. But it's it's one of those deals where I, I think that the focus here going down the stretch has to be on finding the right combinations of hitters, the right lineup placement for hitters, the right matchups for hitters, so you're best prepared when October rolls around. Because as we said, yes, I understand the division gap is only two and a half games, but Everyone below you sold significant pieces at the trade deadline and did not bring in major league help. 
The closest thing we saw to that was Cleveland trading Ahmed Rosario to the L.A. Dodgers for Noah Syndergaard, whose ERA is over seven this year. I don't know that I would consider that immediate Major League help. So the Twins are in a very good position here to win this division. Whether we all like it or not, whether they deserve it or not, I don't care that the Yankees who are in last place in the AL East have a better record. None of that matters. I don't make the rules, and neither do you. The rules are they win their division, they go to the playoffs. And that's the position that they're in right now. Uh, the Brewers back in first, as I mentioned before the break, 14-1 to against Pittsburgh last night at American Family Field. The Brewers have played two games on the Fox television network since they brought Sal Freelick up from AAA Nashville. In those two games, he is now 5-6. for six. He's been on base eight times. He's driven in seven runs. The Brewers need to get on Fox more often. Uh, Freelick, a three-run home run and a two-run double. Also a couple of walks last night on base four times. Bryce Terang, who's been good as of late, three for five, including a three-run home run, scored a couple of runs. Terang has gone 11 for 26 over his last eight games. He was sent down to the minors uh, earlier in the summer, brought back up when they decided to send Luis Arias down, and he is starting to hopefully figure it out here at the major league level. Christian Yelich, who's been great, three for four, a couple of more RBI. Adrian Hauser, six innings, four hits, and a run struck out five, gets his fourth win. So uh, Milwaukee is, as I said, back in first. They do get Brandon Woodruff back on Sunday. And the start he was off to, if he can get even close to that, down the stretch here for the Brewers, that would be outstanding to give them the you know three, because Freddie Peralta's been good here as of late as well. That would give them three top-line starting pitchers, which is what you need. If they, if they can carry that into the postseason, then they've got a chance to make some significant noise in October. I don't care how bad the offense is. When you only have to score two or three runs in a game to win, you don't need a lot of offense. And the Brewers don't have a lot of offense – but they've got enough pop here that they could be a threat. Again, Philadelphia in twenty in 22, Atlanta in 21, the Nationals, as Brandon pointed out, in 19. These are team, Nationals were 19 and 31 at the 50 game mark and won the World Series. Atlanta was a middling team in 2021 most of the year, got hot and won the World Series. In Philadelphia last year, at the trade deadline, they were about five games over 500 languishing in the NL East. They decided to go for the playoffs. They barely got in, and they ended up in the World Series. So the the roadmap is there for the Brewers. They've just got to find a way to get just enough offense to follow that roadmap. Vikings had a night practice last night. Apparently all went well. I didn't hear anything about injuries. That's all you're really worried about with that type of stuff, so that's good. Had a full house at TCO Stadium for it. I'm sure the players and fans really enjoyed the interactions. They'll do a night practice again Tuesday. Preseason opener is Thursday in Seattle. Packers will head to Cincinnati early. They're going to do a joint practice with the Bengals next Wednesday. And then a week from tonight, preseason opener, 6 p.m. next Friday. Coverage at 4 o'clock over on AM 710 for the Packers and Bengals in Cincinnati. And there you go. Preseason football is here. And not a moment too soon because it gets us even closer to the regular season now inside of five weeks before the Thursday night 
uh, NFL opener. Uh, should note to the Packers have their annual family night practice at Lambeau Field tomorrow, expecting over 60,000 fans to attend that event. And before we uh, skedaddle, a couple of things. The Lynx have New York tonight, 7 o'clock at Target Center. Nafisa Collier was at practice yesterday, didn't do a whole lot besides running. Uh, Cheryl Reef says, still looking at about a week before they uh, figure out when she'll be back in the lineup. Luckily for the Lynx, they've got tonight's game at home with New York, and then they're off till Tuesday night, which gives them a chance to get Collier more integrated in practice, which will get her closer to returning the game action. They play Tuesday, Thursday, and uh, that's it for next week. So an opportunity here to get Collier reintegrated into the lineup and into the team. Same for Rachel Bannon, who's got the cast off her thumb, and there's a chance that she returns to the Lynx lineup next week as well as they'll have a couple of practices between tonight's game and Tuesday's game that will hopefully allow Bantam to get in playing shape and be ready to go uh, by next week. And Minnesota United will play tonight in the League's Cup event as United will take on Columbus Crew, 6.30 start in Columbus. This uh, League's Cup thing with Liga MX in Mexico is down to 32 teams. Minnesota is one of them. And we'll see what kind of lineup they're able to field tonight. Defensively, might be some changes. Kamar Lawrence's contract has been mutually terminated. He's no longer on the team. Uh, The uh, Loons have added Ethan Bristow, who was uh, signed out of England. Uh, He's available to play tonight. And in the midfield, Kervin Arriaga is out for the year. Knee surgery. They have reacquired... Young Grey Goose from Nashville, 32-year-old Grey Goose played from Minnesota from 2019 to 2021, 63 appearances, 57 starts, and is back available to play once Minnesota gets back in MLS play out of the League's Cup later on this month. 10.50, you're going to usher in the weekend. Don't forget, no Brad or Kenny today. Best of sound off. Coming up at 11 o'clock, and no, I can confirm it's not three hours of dead air. Bruce, be nice. Wrap it up in a moment on KDAL. Your Twin Ports home for Twins baseball. In the corner. Goal. KDAL. 10.59. Wrap things up here. Back on Monday, Matt Wellens of the Duluth News Tribune. We'll talk about Laura Bellamy's departure from the UMD women's hockey program. Other off-season hockey nuggets on the radio show with Matt on Monday. Then I'll be off on Tuesday, back on Wednesday. No Brad, no Kenny. That means the best of sound off after the news. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no. Well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com. Podcast today's show anytime. What do you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28FBFM, and 610 KDAL Duluth Superior, a Midwest communication station.